Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development discussion series featuring candid conversations with business leaders and innovators across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts on how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and talented workforces in the nation. And now, your host, Ed Clemente. Hello, I'm your host, Ed Clemente. We're fortunate today to have President James M. Smith. He's the president of Eastern Michigan University. And welcome to the show. Do you go by Jim or James? Jim's fine, Ed, and thank you. Thank you for having me. And, well, thank you. I know you've, you're you uh, pretty well known already here in the state. And I know Eastern Michigan is obvious. I have a lot of relatives at with the school there. And, you know, they've all got great careers from there. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Whatever you want. You can either talk about what a president does or what you think some of the highlights of Eastern or both. <laughs> well, let me just a little background. Uh, I came to the presidency in, in somewhat of an unusual way. I was a public school teacher, public school administrator, fell in love with college teaching when I was working on my doctorate and changed my whole trajectory of, uh, of career planning and uh, went through the various ranks, was assistant, associate, and full professor. And then I had a chance to be a dean. From there, I went to a vice president, and then I served as a president for seven years out west before coming uh, back to the Midwest. I'm native uh, of the state of Ohio, and uh, this was a great opportunity to get back to to an area I knew well. I went to a Mac institution as an undergraduate, so it was great to come back to another Mid-American Conference institution and uh, the presidency is exactly as uh, as uh, the lilt in your voice indicated. It's a <laughs> it's a complex it's a complex endeavor. You're uh, in a sense you're running a small city that's dedicated to scholarship and research and community engagement and outreach. And uh, uh, it's a day every day is a bit different than the day before. Yeah, and, and and I would imagine we should put a plug in for your. I think you said you went to Ohio University, right? I in, went to Miami University. Miami is that? Yeah. Which is one? Is that Athens? That's that's Oxford. Athens that's is Oxford. Ohio. Athens, yeah. I, uh, sorry, you know it's it's amazing how many small colleges are in Ohio. Sometimes there's like something like fifty or something crazy. Will Rogers once said, "You're truly lost in Ohio if you're in a town without a college." <laughs> I think there's some truth to that. I've never heard that. Well, um, and then you also did a stint with Bowling Green too. Another, I man. did. I was there for almost nine years as vice president for economic development, which obviously uh, makes my interest in the work MEDC does uh, just just puts a pinpoint on it. It's it's incredibly important, and and it's again part of the university outreach. the The work we do impacts the community around us impacts the state. And uh, I'm certainly aware of that and think about it a great deal. Yeah. And so let's get a little bit more into some of the uh, unique programs of Eastern. Uh, my niece, one of the my relatives that went there, but she's an occupational therapist. Uh-huh. And she's had great careers. She makes more money than I do. And she's, uh, you know, she's really enjoyed her program there. She was a commuter, though. But I've right. had other relatives who stayed in the dorms there, too. Well, our programming is is broad. Many people would know us as a traditional teachers college. At one time, this was many years ago, we're the largest producer of teachers in America. Uh, we still produce a lot of teachers, but we're not uh, that size anymore. And, and we're much more complex than we were at that time. 
Uh, some of our unique programs, you, you identified one that your niece was as, as a student in occupational therapy. That's, that's not a program that's everywhere. Uh, cybersecurity obviously is, is, is a hot and buzzing, uh, topic and major right now. Uh, we have an aviation program that many people don't know about. Uh, but we prepare not only pilots, but we prepare ground professionals also in the aviation field. And then we have a long standing history of uh, producing business professionals, uh, strong accounting program. Uh, many, many of our graduates hold the MBA and are out uh, managing complex elements of, of their entity. And, and uh, uh, we're proud of that, that we're able to be uh, that engine for, for leadership and change. And, you know, Eastern, I know I actually have a couple of uncles that went there and uh, they, they went on to become, you know, border regions for other universities around the country. And I know it's, it's always had that great history. And so Eastern, how many, what is roughly the student body? I can't remember how many students. Well, depending on the, the year and the semester, we're between 15 and 17,000 students. Uh, we were larger, obviously, at one time. You'll remember President John Porter. We were in the 20,000s when John was president. Obviously, the high schools were larger then, producing more high school graduates than they are today. Uh, but, but we've stayed pretty consistent in the last few years in that 15,000 plus range. And so as, as um, any university, I'm sure you have private sector and public sector partners. Is there any of them that you'd like to highlight? Well, the one that, that most people will know that have been following us the last few years is the Game Above group. Uh, they're a giving circle. There are alums that came together and realized that if they pooled their resources, they could do more for the university than if each of them individually tried to do something. So our College of Engineering and Technology holds their name, the Game Above College of Engineering and Technology. Uh, they are also... Um, co-named along with George Gervin. It's the George Gervin Game Above uh, Center at Eastern Michigan University. And uh, they made a really great step forward for us in uh, endowing a large sculpture of George. George is a big man, but imagine it's one and a half times his size out in bronze in front of that center. So that's one that everyone I think recently is, has been talking about. But Jack Roush has been very good to us in, in uh, the mechanical engineering side that has an automotive uh, flair. And then Woods Construction has been very good to us. Uh, they have our construction management lab. And uh, those are a few. Ford has been a wonderful partner in what we've been able to do in, in some of the high-tech areas. So uh, it's, it's constantly a, uh, a process where we want to bring more and more collaborators onto campus because it's good for our students and it's good for our faculty and staff. Yeah. In fact, um, that's, I've met you a couple of times, but I've met you more recently at something you did. It wasn't a career day. It was like an employer day. I can't remember. Correct. You probably have a, Correct. Yeah. And, and that was interesting because I'd never been to like an employer day before. And I found that to be very intriguing, the variety and sort of the broad spectrum of different employers you brought in. Uh, I don't know if you want to mention that a little bit, but. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Mary Jane Fallett, someone that you and I both know, uh, Mary Jane does a lot of outreach with respect to our internship opportunities and uh, paid internships are incredibly important for young people that want experience, 
but also need to be able to pay the bills. And you can think back when you and I were undergraduates, Ed, that's been more than a year or two, uh, that many of the internships were, were not paid. And uh, students couldn't, couldn't really take that internship because they had to give up their job, whatever it might be, uh, working in the evenings or working the weekends. So, so it's, it's nice to bring those employers back and thank them. And the event you were attending was really that purpose was to thank people and to make them aware of the number of students that are interested in doing that, having that paid opportunity. And, uh, you heard this on that day, but we talk about it a lot. We are truly an institution of opportunity. We have lots of students who come here that are first time in any college for their family, and we want to show them the opportunities that are available to them in the internship space, into the practicum space, so they can get out and see that business and industry sector that they may not have seen otherwise. And I would imagine, too, as the talent world is changing, the university's got to change. Like you said, your cybersecurity program, but... I would imagine that a lot of your programs are affected by what's changing in the your environment, your ecosystem of what employers want, right? Right. There, there are people that ask that we have a fermentation science program in, in chemistry and people will say, you know, are you just training people to make beer? And, <laughs> you know, the, the, there's a livelihood there. We're, we're not doubting that, but we also teach them how to make kimchi and how to make sauerkraut and how ethanol is a process of fermentation. It, all of that is something that 15 years ago, you would not have seen in the discussion. It just, it wouldn't have been a program. If it was, it would be a very small one-off that maybe one university in a state would be doing. And, and now for us, it's one that, uh, that we have great pride in knowing that we can do that and do it well with students who have interest in, interest in bio and interested in chemistry. Yeah. You know, talking about probably when I went back to school way back, um, Students really didn't have that much influence over the universities. It was sort of the other way around. And I, I have to compliment you on, you know, listening kind of more because you know it's to your benefit and to the states and employers' benefits that you listen to where they want to be, students now. Right. Preparing students for jobs that don't exist or for career clusters that are just no longer powerful is a disservice to our students. And, and it's a disservice to our employers. And uh, as I said earlier, we, we really want to be engaged uh, members of a community, of a larger community. And the way to do that is you listen to the various groups and you try to make the best decisions you can to prepare those students to move forward and, and do well in their respective career choices. Not all students come and finish with that same major. Many don't. Uh, but we're proud of the fact that sometimes they do make a switch and really find that area that they love and then go out and attack that uh, by getting that first job and second job in that career. You know, and I would imagine uh, you probably are experiencing sort of cross-disciplinary kind of programs where every person now has to know something about technology, no matter what field they're in, for example. Right. Well, computer science is a good example. Uh, we have a table when we do an Explore Eastern Day where students will talk to the computer science faculty about their interest in computer science. Right next to them is the math faculty table because the two are literally conjoined as disciplines. You cannot be a successful 
person in computer science without a strong math background. And so you see those almost blending together, as you said, interdisciplinary in, in how they present themselves as um, how you understand those various professions. Yeah. And, and I mean, you also hear a little bit more about like stackable certifications. Right. And you, I mean, I don't know if you guys are getting into that big, but is that something you guys consider too? We, we do. And, and one place where you see it a lot is our two plus two offerings with community colleges. We have the largest number of articulation agreements in the state. Uh, we have great outreach. Uh, Washtenaw Community College, if I didn't have a bad shoulder, Ed, I could throw a softball from our <laughs> West Campus over to, uh, to Washtenaw Community College. And, you know, they, st- many students start there, do their first two years, come seamlessly to us, finish that bachelor's degree and don't lose a single credit. Those are opportunities that, again, 15, 20 years ago, you'd hear horror stories of community college grads that would say, I lost 24 credit hours when I transferred to the university. Articulation agreements make sure that doesn't happen. They get an articulated plan. They take these courses at the community college. They take these courses at the four-year university, and they end up with a bachelor's degree. It's, it's really a, a progressive step forward from where we once were. Yeah, I kind of wish I had that when I went through. Right. So I uh, well, I was a trustee actually for a community college for quite a while too, and so I I know that that was always a challenge doing the two plus two right. programs as well as doing these articulation agreements all the time. And then you have what is it, Northwest Central or whoever governs it all, right? Right. Right. And they got to make sure accreditation group is uh, is powerful in its work with community colleges, as well as universities like us and Western Central Michigan State and the like. You're listening to the Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders and innovators on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast or download the Michigan Opportunity through your preferred podcast platform. How do you interact sort of more with high school kids? Because I can tell you a challenge, and I think it's still a challenge in high schools, is, you know, counselors are overwhelmed with so many other challenges, you know, in a regular, you know, you taught school in high school. and. They, it's not the same where they can really tell kids, oh, this is what you should major in or this kind of thing. You know, it seems like kids either find it on their own or they get overwhelmed with too many options. Well, we so, try to do as much outreach as we can. We we have admissions folks that go to high schools. It seems like every day, and that might be a little bit of a stretch, but they're in high schools a great deal. Uh, we also try to bring students to campus. So we can answer some of those questions. We don't want students to find out on their own. Uh, you know, we want them to have their interests and identify those interests. But then we want to combine it with a degree plan that says, look, if you really love art, what do you want to do in art? Do you want to do sculpture? Do you want to do painting? Do you want to do art therapy? What kinds of things interest you in that subspecialty of your general interest? And you're right. I think a lot of people say, boy, I I spent a lot of time in this area and it wasn't even close to what I want. We want to try to, excuse me, want to try not to do that as they come on board and as they think about the next year and the, and the year after. Yeah. And and I don't know the science of it, but I don't know how much parents influence kids anymore. Like my mom and dad, I think I told you before were neither one went past eighth grade. They were immigrants. So so, I mean, they couldn't help me at all make 
hardly you can't even help me with my homework hardly. And uh, but I mean, it was just I just wish I would have had more tools. And the one advantage I think today that didn't exist for at least a big chunk of people is you know, I hate to say this, but things like the social media too. I mean, it's right. not that I want them to get all their information from social media, but also that's a tool for you guys to find people who might be interested in unique programs and things like that, right? I'm guessing. You would be shocked at the number of students that tell me they picked a university because of TikTok. You know, no, that they really, yeah. they really <laughs> like the TikTok pieces for you know, University of Alabama or LSU. And, you know, I just cringe as a former college professor to say that's really not the way you want to pick where you go to college. But you're right. Social media has a, a very large influence on students. And in some cases, it's good because you see what the discipline is. Uh, I wouldn't use that as my sole way of going about picking a college or picking a profession. But, um, you know, there, there are little pieces on social media that say, you know, you want to be a rock star. Well, you better learn how to read music. You better learn <laughs> how to play an instrument. Do you sing? Do you write music? Those kinds of things that, you know, we can laugh about, but they really are informative to, to the student as they're thinking about what their next step in, in their career progression is. Yeah, you know, I have a, a nephew that um, was debating whether to go into music career being a band kind of thing and i said you should really look at recording first right because you know you can still play in your band but eventually you're you might find better pay like into that technology side of it too right but um so as you see future trends and you've hit quite a few already but what is there any other future trends you think that students or eastern might be on the compass heading for I, I still think um, people underestimate the power of the liberal arts side of general education. You know, how well do you write? How well do you speak? Uh, can you formulate an argument? Can you support the formulated argument that that you've uh, put into place? Uh, those things students sometimes tell me, well, you know, how does that have anything to do with you know, me being an accountant? Well, you and I both know, and everyone at MEDC knows that you can be a great accountant if you can't articulate what makes you great or what is your, your underlying assumption about why you think this is or isn't going to work for a company. It's really not, uh, it's not palatable to others. You have to be able to sell your thesis. You have to sell your ideas. And I think the, the general ed offerings often are about how do you think? How do you ask questions? How do you engage? Uh, almost as a building block. How do you build from there to then the specialty of the discipline that you may like as uh, a scientist or as a, uh, as a person that's interested in uh, fashion, retail, those kinds of things? Yeah, and, you know, and, and obviously it evolves with each new generation, too, as to what they find intriguing and what their peers want to do. and. Um, so uh, once again, our guest is uh, President Jim Smith he, at Eastern Michigan University. Um, the last couple of questions are, uh, and maybe you've already answered this, but maybe you might have more to add. Like, what would you go back and tell your 17-year-old high school self in Ohio uh, what you would want to do for a future now that you can go back and sort of like uh, back to the future thing? I, I don't know that I would have done a lot differently, Ed, if I think back of my 17-year-old self. I, I might have taken my freshman year of college a little more seriously. 
I might I'm, I might have thought a little bit more about you know geographically. I I started teaching in Ohio. I was an administrator in Ohio. It really wasn't until I got into university life that that I moved around the country. And and I do think that's incredibly important. Uh, one opportunity I talk to our students a lot about is. Uh, having the opportunity to be overseas. And is it study abroad? Is it a short-term learning experience? Is it a travel group that you get to see a different part of the world? So I think that's incredibly powerful. I didn't do that as an undergraduate. I had some of those opportunities, a graduate and doctoral student. Uh, but my 17-year-old self would have said, maybe do a little bit of that as you're 18, 19, and 20 years old, as opposed to being in your late 20s and early 30s. Uh, and then the final thing I would say is, and, and probably as we get older and older, we appreciate this more and more, find things that you truly like to do day in and day out. There's nothing worse than having a job. And I was on an airplane with a gentleman once who told me he had like six years and 49 days and 13 hours <laughs> left. And I thought, oh my God, how horrible that would be to live your life on a countdown clock. You know, I, I enjoy getting up every day and thinking about you know, what we're going to do to help our students to uh, give them new and different opportunities. Uh, one that, that we talk about a lot here is, you know, we never thought of a food pantry for undergraduate and graduate students on a college campus until probably the last seven or eight years. We have students that are, are food insecure. They have enough money maybe to make it three quarters of the way through the month. And then to have Swoop's Food Pantry like we have is a great boost and a great opportunity. And uh, I'm proud of what we do there, but I'm all, also always thinking about how do we get more opportunities like that to help students make it through to that senior year or finish their master's program so they can get on and do the work they want to do in life. Yeah, and actually I had an opportunity to tour the the clothing place too. I yes. don't know if that's yeah, part of it. The clothing closet, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was pretty interesting too. Yeah. Uh, for the for the listeners, uh, we have uh, new and um, barely worn clothing that are available to students. Uh, you can go in and say, look, I got an interview tomorrow. I have no sport coat and I have no dress shoes. We can set you up. You, you take those pieces and you don't bring them back. They're yours. Uh, we have students that come in and say, look, I only need a tie. The one thing I don't have <laughs> is a tie. Then sometimes the challenge is we got to teach you how to tie the tie. But that is you know, so we have those available women's clothing. Uh, often it's it's dress shoes and maybe a uh, they may have a blouse that they really like, but they don't have the skirt that they want. And that's all available in that clothing closet. Again, due to the generosity of people that live in the community, some of our, our faculty and staff are, are uh, helpful. And then we have uh, clothing entrepreneurs in the area that want to make that part of their donation process. And I, I heard one of the, the entrepreneurs say, look, I've got two or three sport coats that I'm not going to sell. You know, they're, they're purple houndstooth or something. Our students are all over it. They love the purple <laughs> houndstooth. So what I might not buy, they love at the clothing closet. So it's, it's another great opportunity. Uh, your last question for a quick answer is, what do you like best about living in Michigan? You lived around the United States. What do you like best about being here now? I, I love the fall. I, I think I'm I'm a fall guy. I love football. I love the changing of the leaves. I love taking a drive around the state. Uh, the splash of color that probably is most uh, obvious a little north of here uh, can really uh, can really give you a a sense of 
boy, this is a great place. And uh, I think it is, you know, we'll, we'll use a catch line, you know, it is pure Michigan to see uh, the beautiful colors of fall. And, and I don't dislike winter. I lived in South Dakota for seven years. I think winter is nice too, but, but fall is probably uh, something that I think of as a favorite. Well, once again, our guest is President Jim Smith. He's the of Eastern Michigan University, and he's obviously, you can tell, very charismatic and uh, appreciate all the work you're doing for Eastern and keep up the good projects. And thanks again for doing the podcast today. Ed, you're always welcome on campus. We'd love to show you new things we're doing. And uh, the beauty of campus is really something uh, we all take uh, a little extra measure of pride in. So thank you. And thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Join us next week where we'll have a special edition of Voices of Michigan, small businesses around the state with an introduction from Quentin Messer. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Whether you're looking for small business resources, exploring an expansion or relocation, or seeking a world-class workforce, visit michiganbusiness.org to learn how you can make it in Michigan.